The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Alright everybody, Uh, thanks for coming back to the show, and uh, I just finished editing the the interview that I'm going to be... putting right after this little bit here and i just want to say that um really you know stop what you're doing and and really listen to it uh it's a really good one i i knew it was going to be uh good but i didn't really know how much i would really connect to it uh when i when i listened to it back you know in the moment when i was talking to john and caitlin uh it was great you know and i was like oh yeah this is cool this is really how i feel a lot too but like going back and listening to it Uh, it's really important. Um, Sometimes I think that this podcast is just kind of like stroking my own ego and, you know, hey, pay attention to me or something like that. But sometimes I I genuinely get to document something uh, that I think is uh, special. You know, Um, I I know that conversation I had with uh, Anna Loco from uh, Croatia was one of those uh, kinds of conversations. But this one also really uh, is is memorable for me um, because I, I think... It's a big part of the industry that is uh, dying, and I, I think a lot of it is already gone, unfortunately. Uh, I know sometimes when I talk on the show, I talk about BME and the BME generation and, and whatever, that era of body piercing, um, but I don't, I don't think it gets enough attention because I think the, the main, the major documentarians uh, are from different eras and have different interests, you know? Um, Paul King really is is from that gauntlet kind of bubble, that gauntlet world. And uh, you can see that in a lot of the uh, the anthropology work that he does. And uh, Sean Porter does an amazing job, but he definitely skews towards um, the Jack Yunt kind of uh, era and that, that branch of our family tree. Um, Sean was also like, you know, don't get me wrong, super influential with the BME generation. Um, but I think he has his own interest and his own passions when it comes to documenting our history. And I don't think that we have really the BME documentarian, the BME anthropologist, because he died, unfortunately. Uh, BME was really the first thing in my life that I really connected to. And through BME, uh, I connected to a lot of other people out there in the world who I think felt a similar way. Uh, I've met some of my my best lifelong friends, uh, Jesse Villamare. You know, he's been on the show a handful of times. And, you know, although he's kind of transitioned out of the, the body art industry at this point, you know, he's still instructing, but he's really not an active piercer anymore. Uh, an, another person on that list is is John Joyce. Uh, from Scarab Body Arts in Syracuse, New York. Some of you might see John's posts on Facebook, things like that. Uh, but if you're in that generation that came after BME, you might not really get just how influential John has been over multiple generations of, of body piercers. Um, when I met John, he was a, a skinny kid 
with dreadlocks and he always wore this bandana and you know he was he was just another piercer and I didn't really uh, connect to John until we met face to face at the APP conference and uh, he was part of that that group of scarification artists and one day I'll try to do something to document what I can remember from all the different scarification events and things like that. A lot of those, uh, again, Sean Porter, hugely influential on putting together the uh, the Scar Wars events and pulling that community together. Uh, and there was a huge overlap with body piercers because most scarification artists were body piercers first. John was one of those people that really stood out for scarification at a time when I was trying my best to... Uh, grow as a scarification practitioner, scarification artist, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we we just kind of connected, you know. So in those early years of going to conference, before it was about, uh, oh, I know this person from Instagram and I know that person from Facebook. It was, I know that person from BME. Uh, you might recognize some names and faces from, you know, magazines or old issues of The Point. Uh, but there really wasn't a lot of online community for body art uh, without BME. Uh, there were the chat groups and, you know, email circles and, and little things like that. But, you know, BME was really where uh, a lot of people found their community. So, uh, you know, linking up with, with John and with all the different people, uh, a bunch that you're going to hear mentioned on, on this episode, really changed me and, and formed me into um, who I am as a person and as a body piercer today. And a, a huge portion of it is just this kind of shared mentality where it was like, none of us know what we're doing and we are going to figure out what we're doing through talking with all these other people. And it might not be that we're all helpless and clueless, but I, I like to use the analogy of a puzzle really often, uh, you know, where I say, we're all dealing with the same puzzle pieces, and some of us just put it together differently. I think at the time, a lot of us, we only had part of the puzzle. Uh, you know, we were missing some of the corner pieces or whatever it was. And then through interacting with these other piercers who were out there in the world, and, you know, maybe they had uh, the top left corner, and this person had the bottom right corner, and, you know, I might have this centerpiece that they really needed. You know, whatever. We would share the information, and it would make all of us stronger. Uh, and it wasn't about... I am the strongest, um, you know, or seek out my information, or you know, I am this golden god of body piercing, or whatever bullshit we have to deal with in today's industry. Uh, it was really just all, hey, we're all doing the same thing for the same reasons. We all have the same passions. Uh, let's talk about everything we know with each other. And you know, with, with conference now, and we'll talk about it in the episode. Uh, it's become such a beast now where it's impossible for that same kind of dynamic to happen because there are just so many people. So many people split off into their own groups, uh, lots of classes, lots of different things like that. Uh, it, it's less of a family atmosphere. It's definitely a, a communal atmosphere at points, you know, but uh, those days of hanging out at the, the Riviera at the Splash Bar until four in the morning and not making it about drinking, you know, I guess some people did have a drink in their hand, but it was about just talking and like actual physical paper portfolios and like, hey, check out this. Uh, look what I did here. How can I make this better? Show me your portfolio. Let me flip through it and tell me how you did this. Tell me how you did that. John was was one of those people at the forefront. And now when you see him on Facebook, uh, a, a lot of it might seem like uh, this industry elder role because that's exactly 
the right place for him in the industry and his voice needs to be heard because he's one of the few people out there that'll just cut through all the bullshit and just say, get your head out of your ass, um, seek out information, share information. It's not a popularity contest. Uh, we do talk about it on the show where so many people are just concerned about being the most popular piercer on Instagram that they're not really focusing on being a good piercer and giving a good piercing experience to their clients. Uh, we, we talk a lot about how John and Caitlin are outside of the APP bubble. Uh, as much as I have harassed them to become members over the years, um, they are so great uh, as a shop. I've been to their shop. I've, I've hung out with them. I've had lots and lots and lots and lots of conversations with, with both of them at lots of different points in their career. Uh, they completely meet or exceed all APP minimum standards. Um, but... They also talk about how it's not the end-all be-all of a piercing career. It's not just about push through and get that certificate and then you can just sit back and it's all fine. Uh, hard work, talking about self-doubt uh, and really like prioritizing your, your life and your career and your studio and all kinds of different things. So it's a really good interview, especially if you're a younger piercer, a newer piercer. John is one of those people that you can and should look to as a role model, uh, and Caitlin as well. I remember talking to Caitlin when it was like a couple of weeks into her working the jewelry counter at Scarab, you know, before she even uh, wanted to or had a shot at being a, a body piercer, and seeing that growth of someone go from uh, this, you know, little baby seed of a piercer into this amazing skilled powerful piercer uh, and it's just it's great to see it uh, John talks about the new uh, studio apprentice Olivia and how the experiences with Caitlin are, are forming uh, Olivia's growth really it's it's a lot I, I can't even really like fully do the whole shtick at the beginning where I'm like blah 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 here's the preview of the show um, really listen to it uh, really kind of drink it all in. I'm not going to do a lot of pitch bullshit before the uh, the interview gets going, so let's just kind of get into that. I will drop in a little bit of info at the end if you care about any of those uh, seminars or any of the, you know, the shit that I normally talk about. But let's get into uh, this week's interview with John Joyce and Caitlin Raisin from Scarab Body Arts in Syracuse, New York, and keep your ears open. So... We're in Vegas. Uh, it's near the end of the week, and I have been dodging you for two or three days now at this point. Uh, but... Say who you are, say your shop, and any sort of social media stuff that people might be into. Okay. Uh, my name is John Joyce. I'm the owner of Scarab Body Arts. Uh, this summer will be, uh, what, how long will this? This will be 18 years in business. Oof. Uh, 21 years piercing. Nice. Um, yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last year was uh, officially half my life as a piercer. Yeah, uh, which is a weird feeling. I'm kind of right around that same pocket too. Yeah, it's it's awkward. Yeah, it's awkward. I was like, okay, so it's time to retire, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, business is is better than ever. Studio still growing every year. Um, I'll let Caitlin talk about the social media stuff since she's running all of that now. Sure. So. Uh, cool. uh, my name is Caitlin Reason. I've been working at Scare Body Arts for just over eight years now. Um, piercing solidly for seven. Uh, I do the Scarab Instagram, Facebook, uh, just Scarab Body Arts. Super simple. Don't think too hard. Um, that's and I pretty much have known you your entire piercing career, yep. more or less. I remember the conversation of John. I, I, th I think it might have still been back at. BME days when mm -hmm. you were like, oh, got this new apprentice named Caitlin coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Caitlin 
uh, we brought her in. Actually, I brought her in to work counter mm -hmm. while I went to a conference, to APP conference, and um, just to see how that would work out. And if that worked Don't out, let it burned down. <laughs> it did right. It, the shop <laughs> did not burn down. I made sure she got along with all the tattoo artists. I made sure that I had good feedback from uh, some of our clients when when I got back. And as long as that went well, then that was kind of like, okay, uh, you're gonna fit in, and we'll start the apprentice. So I went to that year's con uh, conference. Came back, started her apprenticeship, and then she attended her first conference that following year. So she had just hit kind of the year mark mm -hmm. uh, when she attended her first first conference. So, if you could, if you still have a little bit of memory of that period, what was it like apprenticing under someone pretty significantly established in the industry? Did it feel like kind of like an intimidation factor, or did you feel pretty comfortable with it, with kind of the environment that Scarab was? It was a lot of both, for sure. Um, having a lot of comfort in knowing what I was going into from someone who had been going to conference for so long. It was a lot of nerves, mm -hmm. but I already knew so much of what to expect. Yeah. So it was like excited jitters. I'm like, okay, cool. She was also already a client, so mm -hmm. she was already kind of familiar with us. Yeah, you already kind of had a yeah. feel um, yeah, the show. And, uh, yeah. her, one of her good friends at the time was actually one of my friends and had helped me out and worked. So she, she was kind of already familiar with how the shop worked. Um, and I and I think that helped. Also, I think that whole like we're a big established thing. That's kind of a an image that I spent a lot of years building up here. Uh, I've been lying to you all. Uh, you know, I've been saying you know like like I, I wanted. I looked up to Derek Lowe. I looked up to Miro. I looked up to these guys, yeah. and I wanted everybody to think Scarab Body Arts was St. Sabrina's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or Dandyland or whatever. And we're so not. We're so hey, much smaller. I own Precision Body Arts in Nashville, New Hampshire. I know exactly what you mean. Right. <laughs> so, like, here, like, yeah, it's a big deal, you know, cause, because that's the, the, the image I wanted to portray just to kind of emulate the people I looked up to at the time. Uh, but back in Syracuse, you know, we're... All do you feel like it's one right. of those things where... Uh, okay, so when I'm when I'm here, people walk up, they shake my hand, they're like, "I love your stuff, I follow your this yeah, and that." And when I'm home, it's just like a uh, the guy with the beard that does the piercings, yeah, like <laughs> right. Know, and there's like sixteen other guys in town that do that, me. so whatever, you know. But yeah. yeah, I think sometimes you do you do such a a, a hard job. Um, making your clients feel like this is just what every shop should be. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm not bending over backwards right. for you when you're like moving heaven and earth to make the shop yes. that you make. And they're just, you know, it's not that they take it for granted, but it's just that it's so seamless and comfortable for them that they might not fully get all the stuff that you have to do behind right. the scenes for mm -hmm. it. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, how's, how's Vegas going for you this year? How are you feeling about conference? It's great. I feel like it is coming a little full circle for me. Mm -hmm. It is our year that we brought our apprentice that has gotten the farthest I have seen mm -hmm. our apprentice get before. So it's really nice watching her go through her first year. Um, Olivia's doing great, by the way. Tiny bit tired. Does it bring back <laughs> anything for you? It does. Yeah. It is really nice. I can kind of see a lot of the things she's feeling, like the excitement and the like focus and the like, oh gosh, I've been up since 8 a.m. And it's like <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm at the bar and I love all these people and they're so cool and I don't want to go to bed, but I have to go to bed. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's a lot, but I, yeah. I like yeah. it. It's definitely coming full circle for me. Yeah, it's been fun for me as well. Uh, also watching... Uh, watching Caitlin, who I brought here for her first apprenticeship, yeah. interact with Olivia, who's now here for her first uh, conference, and uh, you know, kind of being able to step back a little bit and seeing her interact with her the ways that I absolutely remember interacting with Caitlin, mm -hmm. you know, 
seven years ago. That's awesome. Um, and seeing little things when people are talking to her and being like, like, oh yeah, I like I would have jumped right in there. Like, and, I'm, and Caitlin's <laughs> doing it now. So Caitlin, Caitlin is the the mother bird now. I used to have to be the daddy bird. Um, and be that overprotective, you know, this is my apprentice, mm-hmm. get I away. I Mother Falcon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I remember for a, a good long while, uh, you were kind of like Caitlin's bodyguard at conference. I had to be. Yeah, <laughs> I had to be. Caitlin... Yeah. I was uh, so excited, and everybody was so nice. Ka- yeah, Ka- Caitlin was very excited. She also, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, I'm, 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 you're wonderful, uh, she was a little naive. She, she, you know, she's just, in her head, everybody's just nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of first that, attendees are. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I did have to be. Um, and I don't have to be now, and it's great. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you're both bruisers. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. right. No, you're a step above me now. Haven't Maybe. I always been? I mean, in arm wrestling. Oh, in arm wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you break yeah, shame upon yeah. you. Actually, before before I started bringing Caitlin to conference, I never went to the gym. It was that first year bringing her where I'm like, all right, I got to start really? training. Really? Yeah, yeah, I got to beat her up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, online. Uh, I don't know the, the best way to like get this conversation started, but online, you, you have this great... Um, kind of industry elder position, you know, and, and a lot of times I see you, you're the voice of reason with a lot of conversations that are going on, or when people's hair catches fire one week, the following week you you make this really sound uh, argument of like, this is what you're not paying attention to, like you're, you're focusing on the wrong things, it's infighting, you know, you're, you're, you're losing the connection to the industry and that's not what it's about, nobody's helping each other, so what are, what are some of the things that are kind of sticking out for you with the industry right now? Uh, I mean, it's, I don't think that it's, I think it's the same stuff that we've always dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I mean, we dealt with it with BME for sure. Yeah. It was just a smaller group of us dealing with it. Uh, BME was really the, BME was ahead of its time as far as the social network and all of that stuff. And it really kind of foreshadowed to what we have now with mm-hmm. Facebook and Facebook forums and all that stuff. Um, we had the same fights and the same, you know, you got to do it this way, you got to do it that. We had all that, but it was a smaller group. And I feel like even though we argued about it, I feel like there was more uh, respect behind it then. Yeah, I agree. We, you know, we, we looked up to those people and we might not disagree, we might disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like both sides kind of listened. There, were, there was such a thing as compromise right. in the BME days. It would be like, explain your position, I'll explain my position, maybe we'll find some middle ground, or yeah. maybe we'll change the other's mind, and now it's just, it's it's like blood feuds. Right, yeah, now it's, uh, and it's, there's a lot more competition now, and I don't really get the competition, because at the end of the day, uh, my nostril, your nostril, they're the, they're going to look the same, mm. you know, uh, and, it, and I think a lot of people forget that the important part is the client, not your feedback from another piercer yeah um i mean if you did it safely and you used high quality jewelry a lot of the steps in between don't matter a whole lot Mm -hmm. um and i think especially new piercers kind of forget that client aspect of it they they want you know they want they want their and and sometimes i don't think they even realize it uh but they want their ego stroked a little bit and Mm -hmm. i don't think they go into it thinking they want their that it's an ego thing i think they just want some somebody to reaffirm that they're doing a good job and who doesn't you know we all we all want to pat on the back but it's at the same time you need to remember you're working on a person Mm -hmm. and that client is what's going to bring your next client in yeah 
And, uh, and that relationship is more important than your relationship with a piercer who lives across the country that doesn't affect your business at all. Yeah, in-person versus right. online relationships, yeah. for sure. It's a little tricky balance for well, a lot of people, I feel like. On the client level, the client is not going to care how many piercers are following you or exactly. praising your right. work. or right. liking it. They're going to care if they're piercing healed, if it looks good, and if their friends like it. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you make those one-on-one connections with the client, those are the clients that they come back. They bring all their friends. They're right. only going to come to you. You are their shop. Right. Uh, and I don't know why... It's not just younger piercers. It's also piercers no, no, no. who've been in it for a long, long time. Yeah. And people, uh, for whatever reason, they don't want to stop and listen to someone else. They want to. They want to listen, but they don't necessarily want to hear it. They want to listen and they want to chime in there. Well, I try to do this one thing that, that you don't do, and right. so that disqualifies your opinion. When I first started uh, training Caitlin, right from the start, I was like, "Look, there are many different ways to do each thing we do, mm-hmm. and I will show you what's more comfortable for me." but I'm perfectly capable of showing you other ways. Uh, and I'm gonna have you start doing things the way that I'm comfortable doing them. Mm-hmm. But once you got that down, uh, your hands are a different size than mine. Your dexterity is different than mine. Yeah. The way you visualize things is, is different than me. Um, so we'll tweak that. And I might use forceps or something. Uh, and there are things actually now that she does freehand that I, I can but I don't like to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other things that she won't freehand that if it's something that has to be, she'll wait for me to do it. Um, it so I'm, I don't I don't believe in that hard set rules. And I'm doing the same thing with Olivia. Um, Olivia just started doing her first couple piercings. I think she's done, what, five? Yeah. Um, so we haven't had a lot of leeway to show her different methods, but I'll do the same thing. Um, and it's already very apparent that she is going to have to do things very differently than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, she does not have the dexterity or the traps. I, or the trap, right. Yeah. She Well, actually, she does <laughs> not have the traps, muscle though. as either of us. Okay. So we need to get her some hand squeezies because... Yeah. Uh, it's all about protein. Team Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's not opening <laughs> any, any big captives, that's for sure. So in a position where you have you have a body piercer who is experienced and they have their, their preferences and they're, they're kind of showing you that as a foundation, where do you or where did you start to kind of fluctuate? Was it... The piercers that you met at conference influencing you? Was it you kind of like just intuitively developing your own style or getting out and shadowing? Or like what was it that makes it so that you're not just a carbon copy of the person who who mentored you? See, John made it very easy for me to not be a carbon copy because it was this is my comfort way. Try that. Do these other ways that I can do. If they work for you, that's your main way. Mm-hmm. So I got four different ways to do one thing from one person. Yeah. So I didn't have to outsource a lot of my, I can't get the right grip on this, or I, these aren't coming out great, and what do I do? How do you do them? Mm-hmm. So I've been really blessed with my apprenticeship and all my training um, to have one person that's shown me so many different yeah. things. I, yeah. I think... Uh, part of the problem in the industry, and not just our industry, but the industry in, general, in any industry, is uh, a lot of people bring on an apprentice too early. Yeah. Um, and I had been piercing for a while before I brought Caitlin in, mm. and because of that, I was obviously I'm more comfortable with certain methods than others, but I can do other things. Mm-hmm. I can, so I was able to show her that right away, and because I've done each method. And yes, I've chosen my favorites, and that changes every year. I switch it. Um, but because I had my favorites, and I can still do it the other way, if I watched her do something, 
um, and it didn't go quite as smooth or whatever, as long as I'm paying attention, I've probably already picked out what it was that made it go a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And then I can be like, okay, you know what? Scrap those forceps. Uh, your hands aren't quite big enough to hold it the way that I hold it. So try this bracing technique instead um, or whatever it is. So because of that, like right from the start, even though I was like, I want you to, I, yes, I want you to try it the way that I'm comfortable with first. But if, you know, by the second or third try, it still looks really awkward. Yeah. Scrap that. Not the right way Let's just it. try something else right away. Yeah. Um, and I didn't hold her to that. There was no, something I've pushed with her or something I'm really pushing with Olivia is um, there's no hard, fast rules in this. Mm. Like we have some generals, you know, but um, there's no hard, fast rules. So if something's not working, let's change that. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit tricky with Olivia because of the way Olivia learns, she wants rules. Mm -hmm. um, like she takes notes. She reads those notes, she studies those notes, she rewrites those notes, she studies those notes, it's rewrites adorable. those, hmm. then she'll ask questions. Okay. So it takes her a week after seeing something yeah. before she's fully processed it and then come back and say, okay, so why this and why that? Um, That's kind of cool though. It is cool. And yeah. watching it, is, it's very different than how I learned. It's very right. different than how Caitlin learned. Mm -hmm. I'm a seat of my pants flyer. Right. It's just, let's just do it and figure it out as we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. It's fun because um, we both get to appreciate that and we're like, Waiting for the yeah, it's it's yeah. fun and it's kind of and it's you know if it's a little slow at the shop and we'll see her put she'll pull her notebook out and she'll start erasing stuff and she'll start changing stuff and it's cute you know I mean I don't know is the whatever father figure of the shop it's yeah. you know oh look at her <laughs> um, getting her but at the out. same time it's we have to keep reminding her because she'll come back and she'll be like so you said this and I'm like yes but that's that's not a rule mm -hmm. don't just because you've written it down yeah. You, you have to be able to adapt mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, the two of you, maybe not notoriously, but for quite a while, you've, uh, you've, you've, you've stayed out of that APP bubble uh, as much as I have tried. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we've, we've had a lot of shared experiences. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say we're kind of part of this friend circle that definitely includes Jesse. Mm -hmm. We've taught a lot of classes together. We've developed classes together and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we all kind of felt that we all had our own path. Uh, and mine was definitely get into the APP and start messing around in the infrastructure of it and all that. And what are, what are some of the things that you would want to tell the piercers that are still kind of outside of that APP bubble? You know, because I try to talk to people and say, you don't have to be in this bubble to be a, a really excellent, excellent piercer. But what are some of the things you would want to share with the piercers that might feel almost self-conscious because they're, they're not inside that bubble? Um, <laughs> and so, you, can be, you can be honest. It's okay. No, no. So I, I'll be totally honest with you. If I didn't own my shop, yeah. if I was just a piercer, mm -hmm. I would have been a member a long time ago. Mm -hmm. My personal journey, my personal goal has been build my shop into the the legacy that is St. Sabrina's or you know, Dandelion or these shops mm -hmm. that everybody heard of. Yeah. And for me, there were no other APP members where I was. Mm. Um, so it wasn't locally, if I'm focusing on my business, it really wasn't gonna help me there. Sure. Um, and that was my goal. That's where, where I was, I'm like, I need to build my brand mm. at home. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to get the recognition when I'm in Vegas, Yeah. but that doesn't bring me money at home. Right, and but there's, there's no point in being an APP member if your shop can't stay open. Exactly, yeah. and for a long time, Yes, I did a really good job of making everybody 
think here we were doing great. We posted the right photos, you know, and it looks like, oh yeah, we use gold all the time and we're making a ton of money and, you know, you it's a, it's online, it's an image and it's a, it's a brand and that's what you want to portray and that's great. It's marketing, awesome. Uh, but I was marketing to you guys. Mm -hmm. I wasn't marketing to my clients at home. Right. And it took me a while to figure that out and it took me a while for my shop to grow because I was marketing to the wrong people. Mm -hmm. I was marketing to piercers. I was marketing to you. I was marketing to Derek Lowe yeah. so that he would think I was just somewhere close to his level and part of the part of the crew, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I was like, it's like high school. Like I'm still, you know, pick me. You want that varsity? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so for a long time, I really was, uh, Yes, I wanted to be these guys and their members, and, and that was important. And that was always my goal was to be a member um, and to get to my first conference and have enough money to come to Vegas, which for years, I that wasn't an option for me. Um, but every time I would leave here and I would get back home, it was like, we're not there. Like, I don't, we're not doing the business we should be doing, and I need to not focus on them. So I would leave conference every year. I'm like, yeah. We're, we're going to be members. Give us a month. We got it. We don't really need to change a whole lot. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, we need to hang a sign somewhere and then that's right, it. Right. But come home, get settled back in, get caught up and then look at the numbers and then immediately back into stress, immediately back into, we really aren't where we're supposed to be and mm -hmm. how can I change this? And then all of a sudden it's just thinking about the competition down the street and I forget about you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and it, And that's what took me so long yeah. uh when i first became a piercer my goal from day one was to be a member mm -hmm. um before i even became a piercer when i was first thinking about it uh i called the app um, and talked to them like what what do you recommend and they were like you should you should come to this conference and you might be able to find an apprenticeship that way mm -hmm. and um so like from from literally from day one i knew what the app was uh and that was always the goal. Getting here was the goal. Right. Um, but you can't lose sight of you're running a business too. Right. And there was, I was still in my ups and downs. I was still, you know, like, are we, are we keeping the shop open? Should I close the shop? Should I go talk to one of the tattoo only shops and maybe just buy into that or not even buy into it? Just be like, Hey, hire me. Like I'll just pierce, mm -hmm. you know, just give me a space because for a long time I wasn't sure that I, I faked it. But I really wasn't sure that I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess, uh, um, and that was all mental stuff uh, because I did know what I was doing. Uh, but I've uh, self confidence has been a, an issue for me for a long time. This bubble really does make you kind of lose perspective yeah. of your abilities, your position, the hard work that you've put in because you you show up and then you 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 hear shops like I interviewed. Jason King from 23rd yeah. Street and he's not the kind of person who's going to hold something over your head but when you hear the kind of numbers they're doing right. it makes your, your balls shrink yeah, a little bit yeah. and that, you feel like well I, I would never be able to but he, he said it too he's like well those are completely beyond average right. numbers so that's not reality right but that's piercers. the thing and, it, and it's like you know when I first met Miro um, who's the nicest person ever yeah um, but like we're talking business mm -hmm. and numbers come up and he's talking about the inventory and the back stock and like I just started carrying gold at the time and I had like five seam rings in the whole shop mm -hmm. and was so proud of myself and he's talking about the number of back stock of genuine diamonds in each particular size and I'm just like oh yeah me too um yeah I totally know what that's like yep mm -hmm. and I'm just like 
oh man, I am nobody, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, and then I'd come back and I'm like, you know, do I deserve to be a member? And it wasn't that we were doing anything wrong, it was just, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I've grown a lot, but uh, when I first opened my business, uh, I kind of relied on other people's confidence for a lot of things. Uh, when I first opened up my shop, I wouldn't have opened if I hadn't been dating the girl I was dating at the time. Uh, she pushed me to open. She believed in it. She had the confidence. And that, and I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, for a long time, that's kind of been my thing. I really relied on somebody else. Uh, there were times when I was, even after I uh, hired Caitlin, where I was like, you know what? I don't I don't think this is going to work. And uh, went through my own stuff. And Caitlin kind of took over. And Caitlin kind of ran things for a while while I got in my head a little too too deep. And... Uh, you know, so uh, it's it's been a mental thing. But I really think if I was just a piercer, I would have been a member a long time ago. Uh, and uh, you well, know, well, what are some of the things that kind of got you out of that headspace? Was it just focusing more on your local market? Was it focusing more on self care and in yourself and your personal relationships? Uh, self care for sure, uh, which is honestly part of the reason why I started trading. Uh, I mean, all joking aside about being Caitlin's bodyguard, uh, going to the gym. Uh, not going to bars, uh, you know, a, a healthier outlet, uh, eating better, taking care of myself, all that stuff helped. Uh, going to the gym and uh, helped with my self-confidence with some other things and um, all of that definitely helped. Um, I also just really kind of took a step back and assessed, so what is important? Um, is it you know, APP members, is it Derek Lowe, is it Miro? And I'm looking and I'm like, you know, I don't, I know Miro respects me. So why am I questioning it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't need to be Dan- the next Dandelion. I don't need to be the next St. Sabrina's. And honestly, that's not gonna happen in Syracuse, New York, no mm-hmm. matter what. So why am I holding myself to that standard? And I really was able to kind of step back and be like, okay, so, realistic goals write those down Mm -hmm. uh and then break that down and pick some small ones yeah and uh you know let's let's start there right you know yeah uh, you can't you can't just chase someone else's legacy you have to make your own right right and that was the thing i was really kind of chasing these other people and yeah you know we're a we're we're a Good studio in Syracuse, New York. You know? <laughs> Great studio. But, yeah, yeah, don't sell yourself yeah. short. No, because... I don't want to sell myself short. But like, <laughs> you know, at the at the end of the at the end of the day, uh, it, it really was just being more realistic. Like, mm-hmm. what what number should I be should I be meeting? And it became less about the number and more about I have at this point we have so I have five people who are working with me. What number do I need? to take care of those five people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it became more about that instead of impressing the organization. Uh, and I think me stepping back and focusing on that pushed me off from wanting to become a member right away because I was a, kind of afraid I would fall back into that. Where instead of taking care of home, I'm comparing myself to you know, other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. And that helped, you know, smaller goals, realistic goals. Uh, also, what helped a lot, and I don't know if Caitlin even realized this, but what helped, what helped a lot 
um, is even just when she was an apprentice, uh, we became very good friends. Mm. And she really was, her vision was very similar to mine for the shop. And just being able to like bounce ideas, uh, invent, and her being like honest and being like, you know, that's not really how it is. <laughs> and you need to just like maybe take a day off. Yeah. Uh, that helped a ton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, realizing I had somebody who, if I needed that day, instead of working seven days a week again for the last, you know, 15 years, um, I could take it. Mm -hmm. And then just having that little bit of alone time, I think that honestly helped more than anything. Yeah. Just get my get my headspace right. I feel like that's the hardest with like piercers who are also shop owners, like having that shop that you've birthed into existence like this is my love child how do yeah. i step away from this yeah. how do i know i have somebody else there that's going to take care of this mm -hmm. as i see it yeah so baby steps for me too uh the shop that i started in was the shop mm -hmm. uh i mean back then there was far less competition than there is now but it was the shop the owner of that shop had gone to the fakir intensives and he was the only one who had done that anywhere near me um, and he was a big deal. He was also a big deal in the hardcore music scene. He was a big deal in the animal rights activism. He was just a big deal in all these circles. Uh, and I felt like I had a, a lot to live up to and a lot to prove there. And I was. And then when I had a falling out with him and I left and started kind of watching things there fall apart, I was like, I need to do better. Mm. And uh, instead of just focusing on the positive stuff, it really just got to the point where I was more afraid to fail yeah. instead of doing what I need to do to succeed. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I can definitely draw some similarities to what you're saying because same thing, you know, shop owner, uh, I take it way too seriously sometimes yeah. where it's not my job, it's not even my career, it's my life, right. you know, and yeah. I can't. I can't sleep at night sometimes yeah. because I'm so concerned about what's going on in the shop. And a lot of it is just, it's it's made up scenarios yeah, in my head I'm, because absolutely. people still walk through the door every day and they leave with a smile on their face and right. they love the shop and, and we love them. But I still have that thought of like, you know, I have to, I have to chase these giants in the industry so mm -hmm. I can be part of that club so I right. can validate myself and I hold myself to a, an unreasonably high standard. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's tough uh, being able to... And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't grow. You shouldn't You shouldn't have that. Right, you, should, no. you should have the people you look up to and people you can get inspiration from and the people, you know, who do things a little differently and you can pick the brains and, and all of that. And uh, I think especially when you and Jesse and I were all teaching together mm -hmm. and, uh, and Johnny, uh, I think that was great too. It was like when we were teaching uh, with each other, we all shared stories about how we came up and how we did things and how we have evolved. And, uh, and I think that's important. I think a lot of the... The education wasn't there when we started. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that is lucky for the new piercers, but also horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, they're missing out on that evolving stage. Yeah. They're just they're, getting the end result right. of everyone else's yeah, evolution. They, they, right. They don't have that. And they're still going to. You know, they're still going to get better. They're still going to learn things. They're still, you know, But they're not going to have that like point where they can look back and be like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, look at these awful things, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I know it's totally valuable. Be okay. So when I would imagine that you're, we're, we're, we're 
we're really in the same generation yeah. of, of body piercers. Yeah. You know, the ones that started with BME and then grew out of that. And uh, for me, it was still like when I when I got into it, it was like you have to sit down and you have to look at the data and decide like is Bactine what you should be using? Right. Should you're gonna mix sea salt solution? You couldn't even buy. Sand? And now it's like the argument is what brand of sterile saline right. spray right. do you carry in your shop? It's <laughs> yes. not figure out all the other hard yeah. stuff. It's just like, well, everybody else figured out the worst of the worst and right. already got rid of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, even even piercing techniques, you know, when surface piercings, mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the shop, like we, you, you couldn't get 90 degree bend surface bars unless right. you made or, them Or yourself. if you did, the stem was so long. Right. Yeah. Timeless. So I'm, I was referring to people like Tom Brazda and, and Brian Decker and I'm like, Brian Decker's bending his own. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, well, what tool are you using? Where do I get that? So then I'm trying to bend my own and I like, you know, you kink 150 bars before mm -hmm. you, oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so let's try these Teflon bars. Let's try these bars that we bent with 45 degree ends. Let's, you know, mm -hmm. so every day after work, uh, my old boss and I were, you know, we're, we're working on each other. Mm -hmm. We're trying new things where, you know, I've, I've, I've had more scrotum piercings with so many different types of jewelry than you can possibly imagine. Uh, and it's, you know, but it was like, it, that's how you learned. Mm -hmm. It wasn't somebody, you don't, you started your, like Olivia, you know, she's coming in, she's starting her apprenticeship and it's like, okay, these things don't work. Mm -hmm. And I know they don't work yeah. because, you because know, I tried I've, it. I've had them each 10 yeah. times a beat, you know? Right. Um, all so, the, all my scars from like pocketing and stapling right, yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. Now you tell, if you tell a piercer that just got into it maybe three years ago and you explain the concept of pocketing, yeah. they're going to look at you like you're insane and you're an idiot. Like yeah, you don't so, know what you're doing. Uh, I made him give me a staple because I yeah. thought it was the coolest. Sick. I wanted one so bad. Yeah. Where'd you put it? In the back of my neck. Oh yeah, I'm sure that was With great. With my dreads, yeah, it yeah. was great. It was yeah. perfect. But it, but it was, you know, one of those things where I'm telling stories to her about things that we used to try and things that we used to do and she's like, she very much... Uh, I didn't realize this when I hired her, but at like 12 years old, Caitlin's on BME looking at, you know, dudes. You. I look, yeah, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, where now, Olivia is like, so what's what's BME? Oh. You know, and it's like, uh, it's, it's a whole thing you missed out on, and mm -hmm. there's no way to properly describe what sure. you missed yeah. out on. Sure. Uh, you know, but with Caitlin, she already had that self-discovery thing she was already you know tried piercing herself she she came in and she had the craziest industrial in her ear that i've ever seen i mean now there's obviously nicer jewelry That's in it bad. but she had like a faux rook to conch industrial yeah and i'm looking at it and i'm like man i've never done one of those yeah. like where'd you get that done she's like oh i did it, it myself what what kind of year are we talking I must have been 17. Sick. My friend yeah. absolutely had to get a $20, one of those deals. He's like, well, I'm not going without somebody and I'll pay for yours. I'm like, whatever. Cool. I'll come. This is stupid. I'll take it out in a day. I had the back of my neck done with, you know, one of those just kinked straight bars. Mm -hmm. Immediately with super took long it rises. Out. Yeah. Immediately took it out. And I'm just like, well, that thing's kind of cool looking. So you just shoved it in your ear. <laughs> and I'm like, well, where can I put this? I'm like, this looks kind of dope. And I'm just like, ear piercings are fun. And I was just like, well, that curve fits perfectly in front of right here. So without even realizing I'm using like back of jewelry indenting and just using those marks and... Yeah. Yeah. Magically, so, somehow it fucking healed. Yeah, so Caitlin at 17 
but before I know her, did her first faux rook piercing before I had <laughs> ever <laughs> done a faux rook piercing. <laughs> and uh, so when I saw that and I learned that she did it herself, I was like, okay, so awesome, but also awful. Yeah. Um, but I'm super impressed. And I'm going to pretend totally. I'm not super impressed. Right, right. Um, grumble, but, grumble. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> but also at the same time, she like 10 gauge tragus. Mm-hmm. Totally did it herself. Mm-hmm. And I'm, so I'm like, okay. I'm like, so you get it. You know, you're you're one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, where like Olivia is not one of us. Yeah. So the, the training and the stories and all of that stuff, it's very different. Um, just like a good example. Yesterday we're in uh, Annie Sprinkle's uh, Remembrance of Fakir class. Mm-hmm. And uh, we brought Olivia. Now she doesn't know. Was she just like blown away? Yeah. Yes. After like she's sitting there, like mouth open, just staring the whole time, the eyes you know wide open. And I love her expressional face. Yeah, yeah. I you really can read. Do. It's great. Uh, there's no poker face. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and afterwards, Caitlin asked her, "So what did you think?" And she's like, "Um, uh, it, um, it, it, it was outrageous." And I'm like, outrageous. <laughs> but it's just like, you can tell, like, that stuff just blows her away. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. But four hours later, after she right. has processed, so did you get any photos of that class? I'm yes. Like, did I? Same with the notes. <laughs> she needs that time to process it and start breaking it down. And then she has she questions it. about it. I yeah. think she liked um, it. So, yeah. So, and it's, it's just, we, it's just very different than us. Um, and, it, and there's, you know, she's, she's not going to be piercing herself and trying things the way we did our generation did it's Um, hard though because your generation is awesome because as you were finding and experimenting within your own self and piercings and your shops like that's the phase that everybody goes through like the experimental phase yeah and i feel like every apprentice kind of wants that a little bit so i I think the modern apprentice though they're so carefully monitored yes that you don't really have the wiggle room to learn by trial and error right it's a structured it's a it's they're very structured now my apprenticeship uh and like i said my shot was great for the time you know until i realized we were doing all these things wrong but i thought it was great um but my apprenticeship three months in the owner of the shop turns to me and says i'm going to europe i'm going to be backpacking i have enough money for five days Friday, I will call you. You will best Western me however much money you've made this week. I'm like, oh, I have a list of piercings I've never done before and thrown to the thrown to the wolves, you know? And I'm just terrified because I'm like, if I don't make money, he's stranded in Europe. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm fired. No pressure. Right. Like, I'm just like, oh my God. And fortunately for me at the time, one of the tattoo artists uh, had actually been a piercer. Uh, because back then, when you were apprenticing to tattoo, you were given like a two-day apprenticing crash course, mm-hmm. and that's how you made money for the shop while you were. So he knew some stuff. So, uh, you know, I'd be like, Nick, uh, so can you come just like run through this real quick? Because I don't know what I'm doing, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and it was a different time. If somebody came in and they wanted a PA or if they wanted a scrotum piercing, I was all over it. Yeah. That was, you know, that's what I learned on. Mm-hmm. But when somebody came in, like my first eyebrow piercing, uh, I had never even seen an eyebrow piercing. And this woman uh, comes in and she wants her eyebrow piercing. And this is the late 90s and cell phones aren't super popular. Um, but she had one, you know, this giant flip phone thing that came in a leather case. And... Uh, She's laying down, and I'm about to do it, and I'm freehanding it, and 
right when I'm like, okay, take a nice deep breath, she decides she needs to call her boyfriend and sits up and I drive that needle into her forehead and under the skin and half the needle is just buried under her skin. I freak out because if I had been standing the other way and she did that, that would have went right in her eye. Oh, yeah. And uh, she's yeah. like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like she realized she messed up and she was cool with that, but I was not cool. Mm-hmm. I'm shaking and I'm freaking out. This is my first eyebrow. I went and I grabbed Nick and I'm like, you have to pierce her. I can't do it. Um, and he just pierced her other eyebrow. He's like, well, I can't pierce that one now because you're, you know. Gushing blood. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he just pierced the other one like it was no big deal. Yeah. Meanwhile, for the next three months, if somebody come in and said they want an eyebrow, I'm like, yeah, I don't do those. You're just nope. scarred just, for life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I very much learned that way. Where now with Olivia, it was very structured. You know, it is structured. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I'm going to watch you do this and you're going to do that five times. Yeah. And then we'll add something. Um, do, do you feel like piercers will be better or worse for that? Because I, I've trained a few people. Um, my, my, the first person I apprenticed, air quotes, like I wasn't qualified. I wasn't mm-hmm. ready. I, I showed that person as much as I knew at the time and then just let them figure it out on their right. own. And second apprentice had it a little bit more figured out, a little bit more structured. Mm-hmm. Third apprentice, you know, it was really curriculum, like the best of the best information. Right. And if I have another apprentice, it's going to be the kind of the same thing. And I, I would hope that that wouldn't, reduce their ability for problem solving yeah. or to, uh, to improvise right. and things like that. Um, it's tricky because yes, I want her to be able to improvise and I want her to be, something's going to go wrong at some point and hopefully I'm the, hopefully it goes wrong while I'm still watching her. Uh, that was my biggest problem with Caitlin is I wanted Caitlin to mess up. <laughs> like I know so she's too perfect. No, it, it literally, so not at all. Literally, <laughs> it literally got to the point when I was training Caitlin where I was like, I would sit her down and I'm like, Okay, I need you to screw something up because I need to see you fix it. I need to see how you interact with that client. I need to see how you troubleshoot. I need to see, I need you to lose transfer and freak out for a second and then be like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, get this insertion pan. Like, I need to see something Mm -hmm. go wrong more than just like, you know, oh, this bead really won't screw on. Like, I need something. They usually don't. Like a lost yeah. transfer or something. Yeah, I needed like something yeah. or or just completely miss or anything, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and it just wasn't happening. And it took a long time. He fetched me a lot of beads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than like beads <laughs> dropping, but like the jewelry's already in, the piercing's perfect, sure. you hit your marks. Um, but I was just like, I before I can stop watching you, I need to see how you're going to handle this. And it literally just got to the point where I was like, you know what? You're 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 fine. Mm-hmm. You're you're gonna figure it out, and I'm confident you're gonna figure it out. Uh, with Caitlin, it really was at the point where I was more confident in her than she was. And there were times where I'm like, okay, go do this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stay over here. I'm not even gonna watch you. You got this. Just yeah. go. Uh, I was way more. It, it just got to the point where I didn't need to worry about it. Uh, but I think part of that is because she had that self discovery first. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's very hard to mess up when John Joyce is watching you pierce. You just can't. Know, you know, you can't. Did you have the sweaty hands? And just, <laughs> I can't get these oh, gloves on because my hands are so good. See, wet. my hands don't really sweat that much. It's my feet, which is good because you can. nobody can tell. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, but it's like she watched me mess up. Yeah. You know, like I've, I would lose transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia has already seen me, you know, just completely botch a septum. And I just look at Olivia and then I look at the client and I'm like, okay, so... Sometimes you don't. They just don't go quite as planned. And um, 
I'm just going to redo this really quick if you're okay with that. So she's seen me just immediately re-pierce the septum. She's seen me do, you know, handle it. Yeah. Um, and, and I need, I, I want them both to realize that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted that to happen for her. And unfortunately, it didn't happen until after she had been piercing forever. Um, so I missed it. I wanted that. I wanted that to hold it over her head forever. Remember when? And I didn't get it. Um, so I'm going to hold out, and hopefully I get that with Olivia. That's okay. <laughs> I feel like I've messed up yeah. before. That's oh, totally. Everybody does. Messed up plenty. Yeah. I like, feel like maybe I've made a mistake <laughs> once. I don't yeah, know. yeah, potentially. <laughs> no, there, there's always certain things that are a lot harder for people. The, the whole reason I switched to um, not clamping navels was because right. none of mine were ever really quite coming out right. And they weren't. A, a couple of them were pretty unacceptable. But <laughs> some of them weren't, you know, like worth it to take it out have them come back or yeah. take it out and immediately like oh yeah okay well we're gonna fix that right mm-hmm. now yeah um and Do you feel like that was just kind of your natural intuition or did, was it navels are weird yeah well know. not not just navels but i mean if you're if you're being trained under someone uh and then you get to that point in your career where it's like they start to know that you've got it you have a little bit less supervision Mm -hmm. and you're still trying to kind of find your own style as a piercer like are you trying to go off on your own way are you trying to develop your own skill and style are you just kind of following with what feels most comfortable for you and just um definitely comfort and skill set um when i first wanted to try a freehand one i'm like you know what i just i feel like Maybe I'm not putting these on quite right. I've tried a couple different ways. Maybe I'm not holding them quite right, even though I've tried a couple different ways. Just doesn't seem good for me. Can you freehand enable? Just go through yeah. one. I want to watch, mm-hmm. and then I want to try one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she, she brought that up, and I was like, absolutely. Um, and uh, we're gonna pick a night that you. She, she always has a night job, but I'm like, we're gonna pick a night that you don't have a job, mm-hmm. uh, and we're gonna get some pizza. And we're going to watch Ron Garza's freehand videos and we're going to dissect each one of them and what I would do differently, uh, what might work for you, what might not. And that way that gives you one more version because I might do it a little bit differently. And some sure. of the way Ron uh, does was the way I would do it and then some of it absolutely wasn't. So so we, you know, we're, we'd watch something, we'd rewind it, we'd watch it again and then the next time somebody would come in for that particular piercing, I'd be like, okay, so do you want me to freehand this one so you can see it? And I would freehand it. And if that seemed a little bit awkward, then I'd be like, okay, well, the next one I'll freehand a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll just figure out what you look, what looks natural for you. And, and we'll roll through it. Like it was, I really, I mean, I know I've said this a few times, so I just really wanted to stress to her, you don't have to do it the way I do it. Right. You're your own, yeah. you're your own person. And, and I don't expect you to. Yeah. Um, and as long as the client's leaving with a smile on their face and it was done safely, mm-hmm. I'm happy. So, did you ever feel awkward trying to, to reach out to other piercers? Did you ever feel like it was like, okay, I'm being mentored by someone who's really well experienced, really well regarded in the industry, and uh, did you ever feel weird? Like, did you did you reach out to other piercers and, and say like, hey, you know, I've got a question that nece- John might not necessarily be answering in a way that, that clicks for me or something like that, or did you feel like you had the support and mentorship you needed within the studio and you didn't really have to kind of seek mentorship from other places. I was always open to the way other people did things, but I'm very hands-on and with my night job, I couldn't, you know, shadow. I didn't have the time, honestly. And I just hate Facebook. Mm. 
<laughs> I really do. So I can't being, there. being on there wasn't exactly my jam. Mm-hmm. So pizza and piercings party. Yeah. The other was, thing, it, uh, nice. because she was so busy. I mean, she when I when I first brought her in to be an apprentice, uh, she was still getting her degree, so she was in school. She was at the shop uh, seven days a week, and she worked a night job. Mm-hmm. Like she, she was busy and she was hustling. Oh, I remember. And it, yeah, and I it remember got talking to you, and you said, "Oh yeah, I'm at, I'm at the shop right now, and then I'm I'm going to my job, and I'm going to be there for eight hours, and then I got school in the morning." Yeah. And it's like, when do you fit in sleep? Yeah, <laughs> she, I forced her to do six days a week, um, because it just got to the point I where I was like, "Didn't want to." <laughs> yeah, no, but it got to the point where I'm like, "You're tired, mm-hmm. and you're starting." Like, no, I'm fine. It wasn't even that. It was like you were starting to get annoyed by things that you should not because you were you, you were getting frustrated if a bee didn't screw on immediately or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? Go take a nap. Like <laughs> you need you need the day off and you're going to come back more refreshed and then you're going to learn better. Um, and also you're stressing me out. So just go home. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she was she was there and she was all the time. But because she was there so much and I knew she didn't have the time on her own. Uh, I tried to help facilitate that a little bit because mm-hmm. I knew she didn't have the time to reach out to other piercers. Uh, and the way I would do that is I knew she wasn't on Facebook that much, um, partially because she was at a job all the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want her on Facebook at work. Like, you need to be doing something. Right. Um, I'm going to sit on Facebook. You, <laughs> you know? Um, and in her other job, she couldn't, you know? And then she's in school. So I would find videos from other piercers. Mm-hmm. And when it would slow down, I'd be like, so, hey, let's watch this. Yeah, this he is was how... kind of my forum filter. Yeah, I was like, so this is how so-and-so does it. And I thought this was kind of interesting. And I might try that. Um, so, you know, what do you think? And, and we would, and then I'd find one. I was like, so I found this awful thing. Uh, I absolutely don't want to do it like this. I mean, if you want to try it. And I would just kind of hope she would say no. But, you know, the, so the that's kind of how we like... would do that. That was how we would reach out. But also, um, by bringing her to conference right away, like, I told her right from the start, I'm like, so, at the time, we had a good circle who was here all the time. Yeah. Um, so I told her right from the start. I was like, so, you're going to meet Ryan. You're going to meet Jesse. Um, you're going to meet Laura, who, you know, was running Thrive. And mm-hmm. that's a totally separate set of questions that you can ask besides Jesse. You're going to meet this person. You're going to meet that person. Um, and these are great people. So we're all going to sit around afterwards, and we're going to talk. And we were teaching, so she just sit in the class. So she was able to, you know, kind of, we're talking shop. Yeah. So she's picking it up from that. So even though she wasn't reaching out as much, it was kind of facilitated anyways. Like I wanted her to have those influences. I didn't want well, it to be just me. you were a really good mentor because you were, you were generous and you were respectful in a way that I think some apprentices don't get treated. So you were never, I don't know if it was just the way that I was reading the situation, but it didn't seem like you ever treated her like she was lower in the hierarchy than anyone in the conversation it was everybody's talking as peers and as equals and just sharing information yeah and and that made it super comfortable yeah and you can't you can't treat an apprentice like they're less than like it's this weird hazing culture it's like no you have to treat them like a a professional otherwise other professionals aren't going to be sharing all the information and and helping them uh part of the reason why i did that is because and, and honestly i didn't even that was I guess that just happened. That wasn't something that I went in. Well, I think it's because you're also yeah. a good person. Well, so yeah. That helps. But, I, but I think for me, my first couple conferences, um, 
there was a lot more learning outside of the class. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ter- totally. Then there was the flash bar years. Right. right. So my first year in conference, I didn't know a whole lot of people, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't think a lot of people knew who I was. But my first year in conference, uh, somebody who I really looked up to uh, was Tom Brasta. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to introduce myself. And he immediately was like, oh, yeah, John Scarab from from uh, BME, like Jay Scarab. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. And I was like, oh, whoa. And uh, we, I sat down and started talking to him. And he immediately started talking to me about how I do service piercings, things that he had seen me post on BME and gave me some tips. And, um, you know, have you tried this? And have you tried that? And, you know, I found this that really worked. And it's like four hours later, I've been at the bar, just had a class with Tom Brosta. Mm-hmm. And, like, it really doesn't get any better than that. So I knew that I learned a lot from other people and from sharing and not being afraid to ask questions mm-hmm. that way. And it's, I feel like it's much easier to do that in person. So when I first started bringing Caitlin to conference and told her right from the start, I'm going to introduce all of these. It was just natural for me to allow her to ask those questions because that's how I got the information. Yeah. Like this, this is where you do that. Right. Um, and I think that is something that's missing. Conferences run a lot smoother than mm-hmm. it was, you know, twelve years ago. Yeah. Uh, the classes are higher quality than they were twelve years ago, and I'm, I don't want to take anything away from all of that. The 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 board and the APP has done a wonderful thing with that, uh, and there's more variety in the classes, and, and the instru- I think the instructors are just better in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but that side of it is missing. Well, I think when you go from a group that's let's say five or six hundred people to a group yeah. that's twelve hundred people, right? That's very. It's going to be so compartmentalized. Yeah. And you're going to have little pods and clicks and all that stuff. Right. And I think also the discourse is really different now. I think some body piercers, whether it's generational or whether it's just personality types, uh, not a lot of people want to listen. Yeah. They want to wait until it's their turn to start right. taking over the conversation. Right. And, uh, you know, I love those interactions that I have with people where it's a one-on-one, somebody will come up and ask me a question. Mm-hmm. But when I go down to the bar, it doesn't seem like it's like piercer nerd science fair anymore. Right. It, it seems like it's like... One-upmanship. Kind of, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And, I, and I, I'm glad Caitlin got to have that with us mm-hmm. um, you know and we we always had you know we planned our dinners or whatever and I introduced her to whoever I could anybody that I looked up to anybody that I knew um, but I got a lot from you know uh, and Brian Brian Decker's always been kind of a, an awkward person mm-hmm. um, but he was willing to sit down with me when I asked questions yeah um, and he you know him and I on BME used to talk all the time like I learned uh this is uh, my personal opinion and not the message of the APP, blah, blah, blah. But uh, this you know, is not I learned the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at the APP. Uh, I learned the punch and taper method yeah. from him. Yeah. Uh, or, or I guess to the, the O needle and taper method. Yeah. Um, you can say punch. You can say whatever yeah. you want on this. So, one. you know, like him and I went back and forth on, on BME and, you know, I'm like, you know, like, what do you, what's this? How do you, how do you get your depth? How do you do that? And like, you know, you can only do so much online. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I met him here, you know, then it was like, sit down and like figure that out. And yeah. he's like pinching up my arm and he's like, you know, like this and like that. And, you know, and, uh, you know, even though we, uh, used to be much more socially awkward, uh, the fact that he would take that time and open up with me and share with me, um, people, and, and you're right. Part of it was that there weren't as many of us. Mm. Um, and also I think 
part of it was that we were that like self exploration generation. Yeah. Um, so we were the only way to get more information was to share it through BME. Mm-hmm. So everything we were doing to ourselves, we were sharing. Yeah. Um, for good or bad. For good or bad. Yeah. Right. We weren't, you know, and nobody was going to, either way, the, the fact that you were sharing it was good, mm-hmm. even if it was bad. Right. Um, and then, you know, you, you had those interactions where people aren't sharing anything that's bad now. People aren't yeah. sharing... The, the mistakes. It's carefully selected, yeah. um, curated content, yes. all that stuff. The best of the best because you don't want to get called out right. by someone else and, and feel like a hack or something right. like that. And I I would always try to be as honest as I could uh, back in, in like the Riviera years and, right. and all that stuff and just be like... I'm screwing all this stuff up. Like, what what can I do? You know, and if I just went into the conversation just being like, oh, yeah, no, no, like, I'm going to take this one picture of the one time I coincidentally nailed it yeah. and make it seem like I nailed it 100% of the time, right. that doesn't that doesn't right. do anything for me. And I think uh, for us, because we were we were brought into the industry that way, we're, it, you weren't shamed if you posted your mistakes. Right. Um, I mean, people would, ch- people yeah. would chime in and be like, that same thing used to happen to me, and here's right. how I got past right. it. Right, absolutely. Uh, but I think because of that, that we've carried that. Mm. Uh, so when we started teaching, uh, or when, I'm, when I was teaching uh, with Jesse for the uh, sterilization class, mm-hmm. we both went into that, and it's like, these are all the ways that we used to do it wrong. Yeah. And don't be afraid to say you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want you to learn. And, yeah. and we were taught one way to do it, so we just assumed that's the way you did it. And it wasn't until we started looking to ourselves. Or another piercer just happened to mention something, and it's like, oh, well, wait, I don't, I don't do it that way. And you can't be afraid to ask, well, why? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we started our classes, you know. These are the ways we used to do things wrong. And, it, and, it, and we, yeah, we put a little humor on it to loosen everybody up so they're a little more comfortable sharing how yeah. they you know, yeah. how they do things. Um, but I, I think there's so much to learn from those mistakes. Mm. And, uh, and I, wish, I wish people weren't afraid to share them. I understand why they're not, uh, why they don't want to. I understand, you know, people are, people are mean on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have, Facebook doesn't have that sense of, community that BME had right where you know hey it's very disconnected yeah it's like you know we're at that time we were right (laughs) there is yeah it's like I don't know what your dick looks like so I'm not gonna right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, exactly hey we see each other naked like you know hey right um takes away the smoking (laughs) (laughs) right yeah uh so I I mean I wish there were there were more productive critiques and it seems like it goes up and down you mm-hmm. know sometimes it's it's not so bad and then other times there's that one guy who's just he's the internet bully and sure. unfortunately you get mob mentality once mm-hmm. one person starts it everybody, then everybody else is like oh yeah this and oh yeah, yeah that and so it's like okay but like none of that has to do with what's actually wrong with this mm-hmm. so why don't we just correct that and give them some helpful advice and move on yeah um but you know i can only do that in my small circle and but still, you know, you have to be a positive role model, yeah. you know, and that that's why I, I think it was so important to have to have you guys on the show because you're you're always like I've never seen you be a either I've never seen you be a dick to anyone I've never seen you try to hold your position in the industry over anyone or talk down to anyone and that's kind of sadly like a lost art in this industry people are trying so hard to carve out their little section and their legacy right that they're not concerned about other people getting their piece of the pie either right. they just want their own and that's all they care about right 
And I, and I get that because it's some, not that I was putting people down and not that I was attacking them, but I wanted to carve out my little section in the industry. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be held to the, the, you know, I wanted to be on the pedestal that I had put these other people on a pedestal yeah. and I wanted people to look up to me that way. You and, did it with integrity though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I guess, I guess I'm all right. Yeah. No, I just, I understand why people are doing it. You know, like we all have our, our insecurities and we all have. Sure. That and that tends to carry over, and I think a lot of times in our industry, um, a lot of us. This is this is uh, okay. So this is more of a younger piercer thing, and some people don't let go of this. Uh, but a lot of us weren't necessarily the most popular person, uh, and we never, you know, we we weren't picked first in gym class or whatever it was, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you're a piercer. And you're a little bit cooler, and whatever that means. And then you post some stuff on the internet, and and oh man, did you see this? Mm-hmm. And then you get a little more notoriety, and you get this, and it and it it's really easy for it to go to your head. Mm-hmm. You've never been cool, and now all of a sudden you're getting some recognition, and you're kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, and I, it's really easy for people to run with that mm-hmm. and forget where they came from yeah. and forget, you know, you're still that same person. You're still that uncool person. Yes, you I just, am. You just, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like you're, you're still that uncool person. You just happen to have a, a cool job. Right. And that shouldn't be who you are. Yeah. Uh, and I know for me personally, it, it became who I was and that was part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were actually talking about it last night when we were eating dinner, uh, with Olivia, uh, during the Fakir remembrance, uh, Alan Faulkner was talking about how uh, that's not his real name, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Fakir's not Fakir's real name. Right. So it was they were kind of taught you need a persona, and you need to become that persona mm-hmm. to market your piercing self. Right. Uh, and that was especially with BME. None of us use our real names, no. you know. Yeah. And I I had just opened up Scare Body Arts. I was Jay Scarab. I was, was the it. fog. You were the fog. Yeah. I've totally forgot it. You yeah, were the yeah. fog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we created these online personas. We created these images. And and uh, I was explaining to them last night. I was like, there was a period in time where I looked into legally changing my name to John Scarab. Wow. Uh, and I was going to do it. Uh, I didn't have any money. And that is the only reason I didn't do it. Because <laughs> um, it was like, it's not a lot of money. But it was like, you know, do I want to buy groceries or do I want, you know, people already call me that. I can just, you know. Uh, But it's really easy. You create this persona and you you start living into it and you start to believe that's you and your job is you, your career is you, you're you're that, you're that piercer. Mm -hmm. Um, And and this actually just came to you. There was one moment in time where it clicked that I didn't want to be John the piercer. Uh, and actually it was the girl, uh, that I was dating who helped me open the studio. Mm. Uh, she came from a very different world than I did. And her, her family lived in Florida in Miami. Uh, and I was flying down to go to their house. And when I flew down, her mom was in the process of moving from one big house into a bigger house. Mm. And the day that we went, the movers were there and the mom had never met me. And she goes, Oh, you're John the Piercer. Why don't you help them? And had me help the movers. And I was like, you know what? I don't. I'm no. I'm not John the Piercer. Mm-hmm. I'm you know. I'm also this guy. Yeah. I'm not at the shop. I'm also this guy. And right now I'm 
I'm nobody. Mm. It's like, it became like, if I wasn't John the Piercer, I was nobody. And I didn't like that feeling. So that's when I started kind of stepping back from that. Like, no, I'm, I'm also me still. Yeah. Uh, and it was a, just a weird, weird thing. Mm. But yeah, I'm, I'm still just Ryan the Piercer. Right. There's not much else other no. than Ryan the no, Piercer. No more fog. No, no. Well, there's Ryan the <laughs> wrestling fan. Other than that, there's nothing. There's the guy that sits on his couch and watches yeah. The Office on Netflix. That's it. Yeah, that's fine. I feel like my real name is weird enough, so I just use Caitlin Raisin. Caitlin yeah. Raisin. Caitlin Raisin. Used to be a uh, Caitlin Grape, but you got to get hydrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've shriveled up a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, still, still sweet. But, yeah. We've uh, too sweet. We've gone for an hour, uh, so we'll probably wrap it up. But I just wanted to say thanks, uh, and not just thanks for coming on the podcast, but thanks for being my friend through all these years. And uh, it, it, I really love seeing you too. Yeah, at, at conference. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, uh, I'm still sharing stories with Caitlin from way back, and now I'm sharing more, more stories with Olivia. Um, but. Us and, and Jesse too, who's not here this year, and you know, hi Jesse. But it's a bummer. Yeah, we miss yeah, you, Jesse. We miss you, Jesse. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I have so many stories with you guys from here, uh, from dinners, from Scar Wars, right? Uh, from L.A., from Philadelphia, and some of my. Uh, since you brought up the fog, uh, before we cut out, you'll probably oh, edit Lord. this out. No, no, I'll, uh, I'll keep it in. But you have changed so much since I've met since I first met you, mm. uh, and I was. So this is Olivia's first year here. This is her first time meeting you. And we took your class. And you are an amazing public speaker. Aww. And you are you are an amazing instructor. And I really enjoyed your class. Thank you. Um, even though, you know, you're teaching with people not, that aren't me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Lola and Baron did a good, did a good job. You guys, you, you guys have, it was great. Um, but so afterwards, and I'm like, so, so that's Ryan. That's who I used to teach with. And when I met Ryan... Uh, he, you know, uh, long sleeve mesh shirts with Marilyn Manson shirt over and headphones in and didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. And she's like, that, that guy, like such a drastic turnaround. And, uh, and it's been wonderful watching you grow. Yeah. And, uh, and I super, the same thing. I super appreciate your friendship and, and all of this. Well, thanks. Not, I'm going to try not to choke myself up here, but <laughs> so that person that you met and that jesse met and all that stuff like that's that's all i had in my life and body piercing was like my lifeline totally and the reason that i've turned into like a semi-complete human being is because of the friendship of people like you you brought me out of my shell and you turned me into a, a person yeah so thank you yeah like no, thank, thank you yeah yeah, yeah. so sweet <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hug both of you oh uh, yeah hug both of you. hugs good you yeah, know what I'd really is... love to do? I'd, I'd really love to also do a Scarification podcast in the future. Yeah, I would love that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That would be great. Cool. I'm going to stop recording, but uh, <laughs> anything else you want to say? You know, tell, tell the people again where your shop is and what the social media info is. Um, yeah, Caitlin Reason, uh, Scare Body Arts. Um, yeah, those those two things are really simple. <laughs> so we're, we're in upstate New York. We're in Syracuse, New York. Um, and yeah, we're, we're always there and we're always willing uh, to answer questions or whatever. And yeah, we're nice people. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. talk right. to us. You know, this will come out after conference, but message us, ask us questions. We we like to help people. So awesome. We're not Keep scary. on keeping on.
All right, so what'd you think? Uh, I think this episode, you know, I've already, I lived through it once and I listened to, listened back to it once uh, to edit it. And this is definitely a conversation that I want to hear uh, a couple more times and really just drink it all in. Um, like they said at the end, if you're in that like Syracuse area, or even if you're not, get in touch with them, uh, talk to them. That would be such a great shop to go and, and have a shadow experience at, or to even just reach out and ask them some questions. Uh, they, they, they really have these great personalities, but it's not just that. It's the way they think. Uh, it's the way that they approach body piercing and problem solving and all these different things that are really just sorely lacking in this industry. Uh, but I don't know. It's a great conversation. I don't want to really ramble on too much and make this episode too long and get people bored and dropping off. Uh, I've got classes. You know where to find them. Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook or precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. Uh, Maryland is closed for registration. Chicago's still open. Uh, Fort Myers, Florida in uh, October is still open. And I'm probably going to be able to announce an Atlanta class within the next two weeks or so, something like that. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening to the show. Come back next week. I'll have another good one. I have an interview scheduled with Christina Outland today in about an hour, hour and a half. I'm going to be talking to her. That might even be next week's episode. Who knows? I've got a couple other ones. I'm running out of my conference, uh, my conference episodes. Uh, actually, I think this one might be the last of my conference episodes. So thanks for listening to that whole series. Uh, but onward and upward, thanks for listening to the show. And go back and listen to this interview sometimes and just listen to how kind he is and how how he thinks because I just I love his brain and uh, you know whenever I, I can finish harassing them into becoming APP members I, I think John Joyce would be a perfect person for the board of directors I'm just gonna put it out there right now uh, John Joyce for APP board of directors bye for more information about the show visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercing wizard podcast on Facebook for more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts LLC, all rights reserved.